When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Here we go. Jackson over the middle, caught by Hollywood Brown. See you later. Hollywood to the house. Jackson, the spin and toss. Ingram makes a man miss. Diving. Touchdown. Russell Wilson's first pass to Metcalf. And Metcalf had it, lost it, and is picked up by the Ravens. And running in is Marlon Humphrey for the touchdown. There's a second down and three. Jackson takes it himself. Look at him turn back and forth. Oh! He broke his ankles. Now he's got an entourage. And he's got a touchdown. He is Houdini. What a play. 47 yard. Touchdown run by the magical quarterback, Lamar Jackson. Hello and welcome to another episode of Pod Like a Raven. We are recording on Memorial Day, May 31st, when you guys are on vacation. We're, we're still doing the work. We're doing the grind. And nobody else really is. It's very quiet elsewhere in the NFL world, in the Ravens world, but we have a couple of things to bring you, a couple of updates, a couple of debates to talk about this week on Pod Like a Raven. I am Antonio Barbera, and I'm joined, as always, by my two co-hosts, starting first in D.C., Tim Horsey. Tim, has it gone, man? Oh, you know, there's not a ton to talk about. I've been up since four in the morning with work. I was up so early that I got a notification on my phone Bring Jace Evans has just logged on to PlayStation at 1 o'clock in the morning West Coast time. So I knew it was early East Coast time because Jace was getting in some late night gaming. Not to out you, Jace. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to sit here and lie to the listeners. I'm exhausted. I am frankly exhausted. But there are some things we need to talk about, and we want to bring this beautiful podcast to everybody when they uh, return to work on Tuesday. So I'm happy to be here. Joining on the West Coast. The gamer himself, Jace Evans. Jace, what are you uh, what are you playing these days? What's your uh, what's your go to? Uh, we're on a, a classic game called Call of Duty. <laughs> um, <laughs> real subtle, a lot of story. Uh, yeah, um, just a little FPS action. But uh, yeah, to uh, to quote Bill Belichick, no days off. We are here podcasting for you, beautiful people, and. Uh, yeah, there's there's still, despite not a ton going on, there's still a few things, I think, grinding our gears collectively, so <laughs> I'm ready to dive into it. Well, with that, let's let's grind, uh, because the first thing that we 
I, I was going to say that we need to talk about, we don't need to, but we're going to, uh, because it's bothering some of us and it's bothering us in different ways, and that is more and more information, I'll say, on Raven players confirming number changes, where this was this was mentioned by the NFL a couple of months ago, I want to say, uh, that they were loosening a lot of the restrictions for player numbers this year. And we have a couple of, a couple of doozies in, in the in the jersey world, in the number world. That's Patrick Queen. First of all, double-digit numbers, they're dead. They're out. Forget about it. Uh, Patrick Queen moves to number six. Just six. Just the one. Hollywood moving to number five which we'll get into in a second, because that's he, that's a number that had not been taken in several years. And then LJ Fort uh, is either going to try to be the kicker this year and compete with Justin <laughs> Tucker or just stay at linebacker. He's number three. So I turn to my co-hosts now for what's grinding the co-hosts uh, with these number changes. What's bad? What's okay? What's fine? Where do you guys fall uh, on these unique number changes? I mean, what's bad is the number six. That's just an unequivocally bad number. I'm sorry if you are an athlete who likes wearing the number six. Um, you're just wrong. It's, it, it is a bad number, and especially with the Ravens font, it looks horrible. It's, it's, um, it's terrible for football. QBs don't even wear a six in football. <laughs> right. I, I don't know a lot of famous sixes. Uh, Mark Sanchez is <laughs> the first guy that comes to mind, which should tell you all you need to know. Uh, and then that Baltimore font, which I love just doesn't look good with the six. I mean, I didn't think it could get worse than inside linebackers wearing numbers in the 40s, and it has gotten unequivocally worse um, with with the three and the six. I will say the fact that I started with that, it probably tells you what I think of the Hollywood Brown situation. Uh, I don't know if we've actually talked about the actual rule change before. I'm not really a fan of it. I feel like I was the only person on the Internet that was upset that the NFL was doing this. I kind of like that college has it and then NFL doesn't, and you have to kind of get to a different, you know, I don't know if it's a different standard or what it is, but I just kind of like NFL position groups having to wear these particular numbers and not just doing, like, whatever you want, basically. Although, if we get a defensive tackle with the number zero, I will immediately (laughs) change my opinion on this, I think. Um, All of that being said, at first I was upset that Hollywood went back to five, but I was upset for the fact that we had numbers 11 through 16 on the team, all in the wide receiver groups. James Prochet, uh, Rashad Bateman, Devin DuVarnay, Sammy Watkins, Hollywood Brown, and Tylen Wallace. And I thought that the OCD part of my brain really loved that. And now Hollywood has taken it away. And frankly, I, and we can get into this more, I don't care about the Joe Flacco thing. We can discuss that. All that being said, I will say, now that I've seen the pictures and the Ravens social media team, which is one of the best in the league, um, when I saw him on the field with it, I actually got steamed up. Um, so I think it actually looks pretty cool. I'm okay with it. I'm, I'm getting used to it, I should say. The only good thing about the two linebackers is now we can call them 3-6 Mafia. That, like, that's <laughs> it. There, there's nothing else with Patrick Queen wearing six and then LJ Fort switching from 58, which, as Jace pointed out, is a classic number for a linebacker to the number three. It's classic 58, classic Ravens number, Peter Bowler's old number, you know, it, it just, it, it looks great. It's a great linebacker number, you know, a whole bunch of middle linebackers and linebackers in, in the Hall of Fame, you know, Jack Lambert comes to mind for the Steelers back in the day. 58, it's classic. It's a classic 
jersey number. And to go to three, he like, RG3 got rid of it. And he's like, I got to get RG3's number. <laughs> Matt Stover's old jersey. Like, it's just weird. It looks strange. Like, his does not look right. Same thing we talked about, Patrick Queen. I, Tim, I was very curious about your thoughts on Queen because I, I know I knew you didn't like 48 to begin with. <laughs> Bring back 48. Bring back 48. Yeah, after seeing six, I'm like, you got to get that 48 back in there. Um, I, I just, I just, I'm with Tim. I, I, I liked, I, I actually like just in college, you can wear whatever you want. And it makes sense in college. You have like a hundred kids on some of these teams. You literally double, if not triple up the Jersey numbers. And the only rule is they can't all be on the field at the same time. Uh, but you know, cause college, you just have so many numbers. You have to use them all. But I, I, I'm with Tim. I liked the pros. It, you know, to simplify it professionalize things having guys you know have to wear certain numbers in your brain you know like oh linebacker just made that play oh this guy's a wide receiver etc etc it took out all the guesswork but now now we're all it's a brave new world we're all over the place uh i completely agree with him i hate the linebacker changes i think six looks and three look strange in the ravens font um but conversely, I am with Tim that I am fine with Hollywood wearing Joe Flacco's old number. I know online this was a point of contention for a segment of Ravens fans who frankly probably still wish Joe Flacco was the quarterback of the Ravens for some reason. Uh, but, you know, he was Joe Flacco was a fantastic player for the Ravens. He should be in the ring of honor. He's to this point, you know, Lamar is better to more talented but Flacco is the greatest quarterback in Ravens history. Uh, you know, he has every record. He has a Super Bowl ring. He's the sole reason they won their most recent Super Bowl, frankly. And um, so I understand he holds a special place in people's hearts. But he's not good enough to retire his jersey at the same time. So at some point, you have to get it back in circulation, I think. And I'm fine if the former first-round pick, who is, you know, your number one receiver, if he wants to switch to the number he wore back in college. I'm fine with it. I don't know if it's because we saw Flacco in it for so many years, but I do think it looks sharp, as Tim mentioned. Uh, I think it's a good-looking number in the Ravens font. It's centered. It's nice the way it looks. Uh, especially, I, I always like the white five, too. I think that actually looks sharper. I own a white five Flacco jersey, so maybe I'm biased in that regard. But, uh, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm completely fine. I know, I know a lot of fans... Uh, we're angry. Antonio, I'm curious. We haven't talked about this. If you feel differently on the pod, like a Raven crew, but uh, yeah, the the, part, wearing the five did not bother me at all. The part I think that uh, is, is almost worse than like the debate over whether Flacco's number should be worn is just the guy who chose to wear it. That's my favorite part is like the guy who sort of is annoyed at Baltimore media <laughs> and the player who a lot of Baltimore fans think hasn't quite shown up yet or is not made the big play when it's been there, had a few drops and big moments, and he's the guy who's like, you know what, like, just gonna stoke the fire here before I have any sort of semblance of, like, a Pro Bowl season or anything like that. If he was a Pro Bowler, and he sw- any player, really, and then they switched to five, it'd be like, oh, yeah, I get it. Like, he has all that sort of team clout, but the fact that it's Hollywood Brown just makes it perfect to me. Uh, it doesn't bother me. I mean, you make a great point, Chase. Like, y- you have to have gone to one Pro Bowl as a quarterback <laughs> to sort of have an untouchable jersey number or anything like that. So, yeah, ring of honor for Flacco. No number retiring or anything like that. 
as for the Queen and LJ Fort stuff, it's not even the numbers they wore in college, man. They just like them. Right. I think Queen. I think Queen he, Six. He chose because it's the closest number to eight. Like that's yeah. what it looks like. That's exactly what it was. That's, that's not... exactly what it was. Because he tried to get the eight from Lamar. They were joking back and Ugh. forth, and Lamar's like, "Yeah, I don't think so, man. Like I'm gonna keep this number eight. I, you might be the quarterback of the defense. I'm the quarterback of this. The team. literal MVP bad. of the league. Yeah, just like two years ago. I will say quickly, Antonio, not to cut you off. Sorry. We should reiterate, the Ravens have not retired any numbers. 52 is not retired. 20, 75, 73. Now, nobody has worn those numbers, and it's kind of like an unwritten rule. Some, oh, man, almost, almost went non-family shows there. <laughs> Some idiot rookie wants to come in and say, I'm wearing 52 for the Baltimore Ravens. I think Harbaugh and DeCosta pull them aside and say, yeah, I don't think so. But officially, the Ravens don't have any numbers retired. Now, should they? Different conversation. But the fact that people are so mad of, he can't be taking Flacco's number, it's like technically somebody could take Ray Lewis's number. And I know who's more important to this franchise, and it's not the quarterback. Yeah, yeah, full full agree there. The six, because it looks the most like the eight. It doesn't, in the Ravens font, as you pointed out, Tim, the six doesn't look anything like the eight. But, look, we're 10 minutes in. I need to stop because we're doing too much time on the numbers on the players' jerseys. Can I do one thing? Can I do one thing? Sorry. And think about this. Don't have to do it now. Maybe at the end of the show we answer it the Random Raven. The worst number that you could have in the Ravens' specific font. I know it's trying to imagine it in your head. I understand that. And let's let's table it. We'll come back to it at the end of the show. But the worst number that you could have picked as a Baltimore Ravens' number because guess what? Six is damn close. Can I, I, can I just shout mine out now, and then we'll do it? Cause I'm, Go I'm for it. I'm pretty sure I'm there. It, the six is involved. Uh, 61, just no business in the Ravens font. The mm. one looks bad. The six looks bad. You put them together, you got a weird number, 61. The, the, the like one it. I was thinking was just combine these two and make it 63. <laughs> so we'll hold, we'll hold Tim at the end of the episode with the random Raven uh, listener, don't let me forget it. At the end of the episode, when we do the uh, Random Raven release, we're going to get Tim's worst Ravens jersey number. All right, something else that we want to talk to in Ravenland, and this is about as speculative as it gets, but it's fun, so let's talk about it. Julio Jones seems very clear that he is not going to be an Atlanta Falcon by the start of next season, by this summer, whatever. Uh, so there's all sorts of trade speculation where should he go is he gonna go uh to the cowboys is he gonna go to the seahawks there's a lot of talk back and forth and then every so often you'll see it as a potential in an article that he could go to the ravens because of the obvious fit and need there and we'll just ignore every other hurdle so i turn to you guys now obviously the odds of this happening are one in a hundred if not lower than that so i'm just gonna frame it a little differently here what would you as pretending to be Eric DaCosta, what would you be willing to give up for him if you're the Ravens in terms of trading, in terms of money? Because the one aspect, I think the biggest wrench in this for the Ravens is Atlanta sort of owes uh, Julio Jones money. There's a lot of money left on Jones's contract. So for the Ravens to take him and take on his contract, Atlanta would have to cover a percentage of that money. And that's what's not going to happen. That's not what Atlanta is looking to do. The whole point of this for them is a cost-cutting measure. So that's going to be the challenge. But sort of, you know, but trying to trying to mix the money in here a little bit, 
or pretending it's not a, as big of a, a hurdle as it is. In terms of draft picks, in terms of players, uh, what would you be willing to trade, to give up for what would probably be a season or two uh, of, of Julio Jones? Well, I, I think the first guy out the door, and I think the Falcons are going to ask for this, I think it's Hollywood Brown, <laughs> the, the aforementioned number five himself. I feel like they would want to replace his production in at least some way. Um, obviously, very not similar players, considering Julio Jones is literally the highest yards per game average in NFL history uh, for a receiver at the moment. Um but I think they would want a receiver, and I think you're looking, if you're the Ravens, it'd be, I think it's two first-round picks. That seems to be kind of the going rate for these guys. I mean, you guys roll. You, the, I, some strong reactions from the pod like a Raven panel here. But, uh, I mean, you look at like guys like Matt Stafford, two first-round picks. Jamal Adams, two first-round picks. Is Julio Jones is a Hall of Famer. He's better than Jamal Adams. He's better than... Uh, Matt Stafford, I think it's, and he's still, for all intents and purposes, in his prime, I think it's, I think you have to give up a lot to get get him, and I think if you're the Falcons, you have to get a lot, you know, he doesn't have the most leverage in the world, despite what he tells Shannon Sharp on, (laughs) on TV, that he's out of there, um, I think... You know, I think the Falcons are gonna like they're not just gonna give him away for for pennies. You said obviously getting out of his contract would be a big thing, so maybe it's one first round pick. But there's definitely picks involved. I think it'll be two, just how good Julio is, and I think you're looking at a player like Hollywood Brown. Based on the history of the Ravens, that's probably too steep for Baltimore to bite. They seem hesitant to ever give up one first round pick, but I, I think that I think that's what 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 it would take. And I think if I'm Eric Costa. I mean, I'd at least consider it. It's Julio Jones. He's really good. I want Julio Jones on the Ravens. (laughs) I mean, I think two first-round picks and you're comparing a quarterback to a wide receiver is asinine, frankly. I I don't think there's any way that any team is trading two first-round picks plus a weapon for a 32-year-old Julio Jones. I, I just I get it. I know he's good. I, I, Jason, completely agree with you. Would love him in the purple and black. That eleven, take it right off of James Prochet, would look very clean. Prochet could go to fifteen. Then we have our symmetry back. I've been reading reports and like, you know, the Athletic who always does a really good job with this stuff. Um, albeit, you know, incredibly long articles every single time that I don't have the time to read most of the time. That's a lot of time. Um, They've kind of put together some of their staff writers and put together different trade offers and stuff. And the one that Jeff Zarebeck, who we always reference on this podcast, put together for the Ravens was Devin DuVarnay uh, and or Miles Boykin and like a second round pick. Now, the Falcons said no to that, and that makes sense to me. I think second round pick and a weapon. And yeah, I'd even say Hollywood Brown. I'd be fine with that. Um, if we're just talking about what you would be comfortable with giving up to bring Julio to Baltimore is where I land. Um, the Ravens are not giving up a first round pick. Uh, and I mean, let's just, let's just talk about this. I know Antonio laid out the situation. Obviously the Falcons would have to eat some money. They're not going to eat some money. So guess what guys, he's not coming to Baltimore. Like, let's just, just shut it down. I know, we're all, <laughs> I know we're all bored. I know there's not a ton to talk about in Ravensland right now. I mean, we started the show with Jersey numbers. That's kind of where we're at right now. 
The Ravens have $11.2 million in cap space right now. They haven't finished paying all their draft picks, so that number is going to go down. Julio's due to make $15.3 million this year, which means, guess what? It doesn't work. That math doesn't add up. Plus, Jackson next season is going to be under the fifth-year option, means around roughly $20 million. Next year, Marlon Humphrey's cap number goes up by $7 million. Ronnie Stanley's goes up a few million as well. And there's a whole load of free agents, starting with Mark Andrews, that need to be paid. It ain't happening. Unless, unless the Falcons are eating 80% of this salary and Julio keeps dialing up Shannon Sharp <laughs> live on television, which, by the way, you haven't seen that clip. As somebody who works in the sports entertainment industry, one of the most cringeworthy things I've ever seen before. A hundred percent, absolutely. And maybe you two disagree with me or not. We could have a conversation about that. But in real, like, I just, I want to throw the PSA out here. I know we're doing the exercise and that's fun. And honestly, it's just going to depress me more when he ends up going to like the Seahawks or whatever it is. Um, It's not happening. Would I be comfortable with if the money could work? Second round pick and maybe a weapon. If it's Hollywood, I'm not as happy. I'd be more willing to give up a Devin DuVernay or a Miles Boykin, obviously. Um, and if, if that means throwing another late round pick in there, too, to keep Hollywood with this group, I think that would be ideal. But I just I don't see it happening. The Ravens already invested two draft picks in wide receivers, including a first round pick. They brought in Sammy Watkins. Julio is better than all of them, unquestionably. But I just I don't. I don't see how the math works. Yeah, I'm, I'm somewhere in the middle here because the how much money Atlanta would have to pay themselves, that's like the sliding scale that differentiates how much you have to give. Uh, if if Atlanta is going to pay, as Tim, as you said, 80% of the deal, if they volunteer to pay in a hypothetical uh, eight, or I should say, was it 15 he's owed? So like 13 million of that, then the Ravens have to give, I mean, maybe we're in the J, I don't agree necessarily entirely, but we're in the two firsts range. And then the deal is, we're giving you the picks, but you have to pay all the money. Or you slide down into, we can pay X amount as the Ravens. We can pay 10, because that's sort of where where our cap is. We have to restructure a couple of guys, uh, pay a few rookies, and then we end up with 10 million left in cap. Then with Atlanta paying five, then you have to give not two firsts, but I think it changes to off first. And if you have Julio Jones on your team, and this is the sort of all-in year, that first round pick is going to be 27, 28, 29, 30, like you're somewhere in there. Do I trade pick number 30 for Julio Jones if I can make the money work? Like, probably, especially if I'm very okay sacrificing pretty much any wide receiver that's currently on the roster outside of Rashad <laughs> Bateman. Um, and I love Proche, just just give Proche, and then we just have the 11, just works nice, <laughs> nice and easy without having to move anything. Um, it's all sort of hypothetical. It's it's easier for me to say this than, than what we're actually going to end up seeing, but the Ravens, I have read that the Ravens could make the money they could get close enough with the money where they have to restructure a few deals uh, and then ask for Atlanta to take four to five million on themselves. I don't think they do it because I agree in the end about that first round. They don't give up the first round draft picks, but with a pick that's not going to be 12, it's not going to be 15. It is going to be in the late twenties where the value decreases. I would be more intrigued with, with giving that up. Yeah. But the problem here is, is that the first round picks now are becoming 
so much more important than they ever have been. For those for those of you, obviously, you're Ravens fans. You're listening to this. This is this is a niche audience we've got here. Some diehards listening to the, us three Stooges talk about the Ravens every two weeks. Now that Lamar's about to get paid, they need to hit on these draft picks at a very, very consistent rate. And you know what that means? We talked about it leading up to the draft. That means as many lottery tickets as possible. Eric DaCosta said that himself. That's pretty much a direct quote. Lottery tickets, lottery tickets. I want 20 picks in the next two drafts because he knows. You know what the Ravens screwed up? You know why they were so mediocre until Lamar Jackson, our Lord and Savior, came in? It's because they paid Joe Flacco and they missed on picks. You go back and look at those those drafts, those, those final couple Aussie drafts before the Lamar draft, they missed on a lot of guys, and they missed on guys they were counting on, and that ended up hurting this team. I, you, we talk about the window all the time. The window's about to close. This window of you can pay everybody but your quarterback because, you know, he's, he's making, you know, pennies, basically. Hell, it could close this offseason. Like, a Lamar deal could get done. They could pay him early. That's something that could happen. Talks are ongoing. Uh, and Lamar has already said all the, the right stuff. I want to be a Raven forever, yada, yada, yada. It could happen sooner than we think. And that doesn't mean the window to win a Super Bowl is closed. It means that you have to change the way you do it. And the way you change is young, cheap guys all around big, expensive quarterback. And that involves having as many draft picks as possible. And DaCosta already loves him anyway. I don't see him giving up. Even 27. They'd value 27. Uh, they'd value 28. They value 30. Hell, they value 31. They traded Orlando Brown Jr. for 31. Like, I don't, I don't see that happening if it gets to that point. That being said, sometimes you have to break the mold. And, Antonio, I think the thing that you, the thing that you nail perfectly, if they go, this is the year. Like, this is it. We're taking, them, we're taking down the Chiefs. We're going after the NFC, whoever represents the NFC. This is our best shot. Let's do it. Then maybe you pull the trigger. But you have to be supremely confident in that window. Um, and it's high risk, high reward. But, you know, sometimes you have to play that way. All right. Well, last thing to, to talk about here for the Ravens. We'll see what happens. Hopefully, uh, by the next time we record, we'll have an update on, on Julio Jones one way or the Just other. Don't go to New England, please. <laughs> don't do that. Uh, but the last thing, guys, OTAs. It's been quiet. You know, we haven't heard quite as many uh, little the little uh, video replays or, or news and notes about which players have looked great. But any things you guys wanted to touch on uh, from OTAs, players you, you like, players you've heard, or uh, or just talk about Lamar Jackson catching a punt? Well, I was going to say, Lamar catches a punt. I guess the bigger story there is just Lamar Jackson is there, which is obviously, you know, a trend among a lot of a lot of teams kind of opted out of voluntary OTAs. I guess we're moving into the kind of mandatory parts, but um, pretty much everyone on the Ravens showed up <laughs> for these, these uh, um, kind of OTA practices at the facility led by Lamar. He was like one of the first guys they showed there, so... You know, I'm always encouraged to see that. I think you see, we'll get into it, the drama involving certain quarterbacks and, <laughs> and other teams. Um, and to to just not have that, especially uh, with Lamar and his kind of, his contract situation, you know, some guys might use, oh, I don't have a deal, I'm not showing up to OTAs until I get my extension or whatever. But for him to just kind of show up and, you know, trying to get better with the team and stuff, I think it's encouraging and I think it always bodes well to try to especially coming off of last year where you had basically no off-season practices um outside of 
you know, Lamar throwing to Hollywood in a field and somewhere random in Florida, like, uh, uh, to, to actually have like a real off season program and to have your, you know, best player participating. I think that matters. And I think it's a good sign and good to see. Yeah. On that side too, I think it's a very encouraging to see that Marlon Humphrey was there. The man who just got paid, you know, just signed a $97.5 million deal. And I, you know, look, I, I don't necessarily criticize guys for not wanting to show up. Obviously Harbaugh's super old school with, you know, we want our guys there in the building type of thing. And, if that's the mentality of your team, and obviously it's worked, I'm. it's really cool to see a guy like Humphrey who just got this big deal, and we've seen, I mean, there's been some, you know, I don't know if Ray Lewis ever went to OTAs, maybe like <laughs> once or twice, or, you know, I, I don't, I could, this could be hindsight bias, but I feel like he, those top big guys weren't always showing up to these, which is understandable, I get it. Um, outside of that, I mean, really the biggest... <laughs> The biggest stuff that I saw was the social media team being back because they rule and all the new numbers. Like that's legitimately the biggest takeaways I have from OTAs outside of, you know, Humphrey being there. And it's confirmed Bradley Bozeman is starting at center. Now we'll be talking about this more as we get in uh, into later in the season into training camp and stuff. Apparently he looked good with his snaps. Why he wasn't playing there last year (laughs) makes no sense to me, but apparently he's the guy now, which you know what? fine that's our offensive line it's settled now we've got left to right we've got five guys playing uh and we know who's going to be on that line day one at least for the most part um if ben baltimore slash cleveland you know shows that he is the starter or it's ben powers whoever it is at left guard but that is pretty much solved so you know you read reports of oh this guy really impressed this guy looked good like eli wolf looked great in practice (laughs) I take all that with a grain of salt, but I think the stuff that you point out is position changes, number changes, and then uh, the guys who are actually there, which, you know, top guys on both sides of the ball. That's good to see. I love the Ray Lewis uh, note there because, yeah, he didn't go to a lot of OTAs, and then the deal with him was like, you think Ray Lewis is going to be ready to go when the season rolls around? Like, yeah, yeah, he was fine. He'll be fine. He was fine every every September. Um <laughs> As for Lamar Jackson, just 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 shout out. Just every so often, got I, I love Lamar Jackson. Just love him. He's saying all the right things. He shows up to all the things. He puts in the work. They're asking him. They're trying to bait him in press conferences to talk about money, to talk about his contract. Not interested. Talking about the Super Bowl. Wants to win. Wants to get better. Doesn't have an agent. He's his own agent with his mom. Uh, and it's just there's so many things to like about Lamar Jackson. And we are uh, we are very fortunate. Very fortunate to have him. And I hope that he keeps the same exact, just same perspective, same attitude every year, year in, year out for the next, uh, you know, 10 to 15 years with the Ravens. Uh, all right, with that, we're going to pivot now to the random Raven. Chase is up, and then we're going to talk about some some of the gossipy, tasty NFL nuggets that have been happening uh, in the last few weeks. But first, Jace, who do you have for us for this week's random Raven? All right, so this player was drafted by the Ravens in the fifth round of the 2010 NFL Draft out of Syracuse. He spent four seasons with the Ravens, appearing in 46 games, making 20 starts. He had eight and a half sacks in his time in Baltimore, all coming in the 2012 and 2013 seasons, but his best game might have been his performance in Super Bowl 47, when he recorded a sack and had a fumble recovery. Clue four? He moved on from the Ravens after the 2013 season, signing a five-year, $33 million deal with the Indianapolis Colts. 
He was cut by the Colts in 2017 and appeared in just one more NFL game with Washington that fall. Clue number five, he is the older brother of a current NFL star, as well as a former UFC light heavyweight champion. And I have a bonus clue if you need it, but uh, later. But I think you guys might have it. See, that's an interesting one because, one, at first I thought it was an offensive player, and then obviously you went sacks. Um, he's probably, and maybe it's just because, it's not even that recent. God, we're getting old. It's like eight <laughs> years ago. But I almost feel like he's a level above a random Raven. I mean, we've been doing this so long that you kind of have to get to those guys, so I completely understand that. But I, I think, at first my thought was, why haven't we had this guy yet? And then I'm like, you know why? Because I feel like he's a known quantity like you try and go excuse me you try and go a little deeper with this stuff when you do it but uh but no, that's a good one i think i think the listeners will appreciate that one yeah i, I he's one of those guys that has a, a prominent place in my heart but i don't know like your most casual ravens fans might not remember him i guess but i very much like the four years on the team eight and a half sacks only over those two seasons. And that's the type of, as a fifth-round pick, that's what you need to win a Super Bowl, right? You need that fifth-round dude who's just putting up his best production when you're making a run. That's a fantastic choice. I am a little upset that I had not come up this, used this player for another random Raven. Um, we will answer that at the end of the episode, but we are going to turn now to the NFL, where the uh, elephant in the room, the packer in the room that we have to address here, or not in the room, I should say, is Aaron Rodgers who was just uh, <laughs> posting all the photos, all the vids of his vacation in Hawaii. It's, it's, some, <laughs> it's some weird, wild stuff, guys. I recommend you, uh, you check it out. They're not even bad. I mean, they're not weird photos, but they're just, I don't know. It's like seeing Aaron Rodgers in a bathing suit, like, singing. It's like a very strange dynamic. Uh, he dates the weirdest people in the world, and then he acts weird. I would love to, like, talk to Aaron Rodgers without microphones and just, like, get a feel for what What's he's your really deal, like. Man? I, I, he's a strange dude. Um, and it's getting worse and worse, if you are a Packers fan, about whether or not he is going to be on your team as the starting quarterback <laughs> next season. So I want to turn to you guys now. He uh, he has not shown up to Packers OTAs as I as I said because he's doing all the stuff with uh, what's his uh, I Shailene can't remember the Woodley. that's right. I was gonna say Haley, but it's it's Sh- Shailene. Yeah, uh, Miles Teller is there. Uh, it's a very <laughs> <That's> a <laughs> didn't know they'd be friends. Yeah, it's a whole thing. Also, Miles Teller's wife, whose name I also can't remember. There's a photo of the four of them, and if you're curious about the wonders of how human beings can be different sizes. Just look at the photo of the four of them because it's like literally a five-foot person and a six-five-foot person in one photo, and it's very strange. Anyway, back to football. Is this dude going to be on the Packers next season? Is he holding out? Is he trying to scare them? Is he trying to get leverage? What is most likely, in your opinion, that on September 1st of 2021, is, is Rodgers... In, in uniform for the Green Bay Packers, is he on another team, or is he signed to the Packers but sitting out and trying to have something happen where Green Bay won't budge on? So, my opinion is he is going to be on the Green Bay Packers. I think he is going to be the starting quarterback of the Green Bay Packers this fall. I... You know, it's funny, we've touched on this story on and off. I don't know that we've gone into it in depth really yet, but, like, obviously this broke, like the day of the draft that he was super dissatisfied 
um, with the Packers. And I think why he's going to be in the Packers is that broke the day of the draft. That was a month ago at this point, and he's still on the Packers. Um, I think I think how it's going to play out is I think you know it's so hard to just move a guy like that, especially post draft. Like you know, guys are willing to trade picks for I guess next year, but um, you know, a team if you're the Packers, if you're the Packers, you have a team that's gone. 26 and 6 in the regular season the last two years and played in the NFC Championship two years in a row. You're a really good team and you can't. I know you have Jordan Love, but it's like you have to win now. And the best way to win now is to play Aaron Rodgers. So I think the Packers are pretty dug in. And I think what's going to end up happening is I know Rodgers has kind of a lot of the guarantees in his contract, even though it's a big deal, have already kind of been paid out. I think what's going to happen is he's going to get. A big fat contract extension. He's got to. He's got to not show up. Not show up. Not show up. The night before training camp opens, he's got to sign a huge extension with like, uh, like the Kirk Cousins deal, basically like eighty million dollar extension with uh, like eighty million guaranteed, all cash guarantee, and he's going to show up and be the QB. That's just my opinion. I just think if he was going to be moved, the Packers would have already done it. I think they're just they're fine with him missing OTAs. Um, I think they're gonna come to an agreement. Maybe it's even the Packers fire their GM this summer and Rodgers immediately comes back if that's the, the root of his issue. But I personally don't see a world where he's not the QB of their team next season. I want to agree because it'd be sensible to agree. And maybe it's a little bit conspiracy theory, Tim, here. But that franchise is weird. And I know the narrative has shifted, right? The narrative has shifted where this first happened, everybody's kind of like, yeah, well, you know what? He has a right to be upset. And I think, at least from what I can tell, and you guys can tell, you know, tell me if I'm wrong, I feel like it's changed to the point of, well, wait a minute. Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones, David Bakhtiari, like, come on. This guy's, and then on the other side, Zadarius Smith. Jair Alexander, like uh, the defensive tackle, and I can't remember his name now. Kenny Clark, thank you. Jace wants to kick my butt in Madden just using <laughs> Kenny Clark. It's annoying as hell. Um, there's something, and the narrative has changed a little bit. We're like, all right, maybe Rodgers needs to calm down. We all know he's kind of a weird guy. They they definitely have the weapons. They're consistently good, yada, 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 yada. But they've also, I mean, the Jordan Love stuff, like, I don't I don't necessarily agree that quarterbacks have to be in there with decisions and, like, they need to be, tell, like, helping out the GMs make picks and stuff. But I feel like you tell your Hall of Fame franchise quarterback, hey, we're going to do this, just a heads up. And by all accounts, he had no notion of the Jordan Love thing happening. He's obviously come out and said, it's not about Jordan. I have issues with other people, yada, yada, yada. But I, I, I don't know. I don't have a ton of, like, because... Like, Obviously, the argument Jace is making is all the salient points and all, like, the real, you know, common sense stuff. They're not trading Aaron Rodgers. This isn't happening. I could see him. They finally like, hey, just give us one more ride. We'll, we'll sign you to a massive deal, and then we'll figure out what we're doing next season. That's more logical. But after June 1st, NFL teams are allowed to split salary cap hits over two seasons if a player is released, released or traded. As if you're listening at the day of release, that is today. That's June 1st. Tuesday, June 1st is when we might get a little more action and stuff might start happening. And in retrospect, we probably should have waited a day to record and not recorded a Memorial Day. But 
I just have this inkling that, you know, and, and maybe it's just because I want to see them on this team, although I don't know why because they're in the AFC. But, like, Denver just comes in and makes a move and just says, here's two first-round picks. We'll figure it out uh, later. Julio, got Julio Jones money. <laughs> right. Yeah, but for Aaron Rodgers, which I think is a little bit different, personally. Something tells me that there's gonna something's going to happen. Um, I think it's still 70-30. I think it's still 70% he stays. But I'm not as confident in Jason. I know I'm stammering a little bit here because it's not a, it's not a salient. There's not a ton of like facts and figures behind it. But there's no real owner of that team. The GM clearly doesn't give a damn what Rogers thinks at all. I mean, that guy is kind of a muppet for for this. But it's clear that he doesn't really care and he kind of wants to do things his own way. I'll put it this way: I won't be flabbergasted if he's playing for a different team. It's just so strange. It's like impossible to fit, to envision this team without your MV, just most recent MVP quarterback, because you couldn't you couldn't make him happy. You couldn't figure things out with him. And it's it's one of those situations where you need to look ahead as a team. Obviously, the smart teams, the smart franchises, they look ahead. They look more than a year into the future to build their team and to stay successful over the long term. But I get the sense the Packers are looking like five, they're constantly five years ahead and they're forgetting about years two and three because they have a still very talented, seemingly in his prime, 36, 37, 36 year old quarterback. And they're pushing all these things and they're making all these decisions that are making him angrier and angrier. But he's still the MVP now. He's still very good now. So you should be, you can build for the present and the year, year from now and also make these longer-term thought processes, and they, they just seem like they're conflicted and only doing the five-year-ahead move, and that's going to then piss off your your quarterback who wants to be wants to get talent. He sees Brady, and he sees all the weapons that they've had, and they, they've still worked to acquire. He went to that Tampa Bay team when they had a couple of good receivers, and they added a strong tight end, and they added another really good receiver in Antonio Brown, and they did they were not afraid to constantly add pieces to that team and to give him more and more weapons, and that's what he's looking for on the Packers. Besides just one st- you know stud wide receiver, he needs a better tight end. He needs a second option, and they haven't really done that with enough investment. And I think it's I think it's possible that he is not on on the Packers next season, or at least is sitting out. Uh, for the for, you know for the next few months and waiting that something else happens. I think Tim's point that the Packers are a strange franchise is very important to keep in mind here because you know they don't have a singular owner. I think in like any other scenario, if Rogers has a problem, right, he goes right to the guy. He goes right to the owner, and the owner and Aaron Rodgers will work something out. But the Packers don't have one owner. They are effectively a corporation, and I know, as we all work for corporations, you know how that could be. Um, uh, there is a lot just of... Just delightful. Yeah, shot across of, the bow from J.J. Evans. Well, <laughs> you know, there's just a lot of bureaucracy in a corporation, and a lot of, you know, there's no one person really in charge. Like, Mark Murphy's the president of the Packers, but then they have their board of directors, and it's a, it's a whole thing. So it's a lot harder for the Packers to make decisions. And I think you've seen like for so many years, what they were so stagnant in free agency. They like spend money in weird ways. They do strange stuff. So I can see that actually playing a factor in just like, there's not that one point person where like, 
Like, it's just say if Rodgers was, like, on the Steelers, he just goes to Art Rooney and says, like, let's figure this out. I'm sure that's, like, what Ben Roethlisberger did with Rooney. That's what Lamar is probably going to, you know, his contract with Stetch is probably going to be him, Eric DaCosta, Ozzie Newsom, and uh, uh, Steve Bishotti in a room together, and they signed the deal. Uh, but the Packers have all kinds of different people. So that's strange. I guess the only other reason I don't know, I mean, Tim, you mentioned the Broncos. I guess the only other reason I think he's going to stick with the Packers is it's like, if it's not the Broncos, I like don't know the fit. That's like, the, I don't think there's any the other. Else. It's like the Raiders have been thrown out a lot, but why would you want to go to the Raiders? I don't get that at all. Uh, but the Broncos seem like the most like, you know, ready to win, just need a QB team. But still, I mean, you mentioned all the good players. The Packers, they've got 26-6 and six in the last two seasons. I, I mean, if, if your goal is to win the Super Bowl, there's nowhere with maybe the exception of Denver you can go if you're Aaron Rodgers where you have an equal chance to win. And the AFC's tougher. I've always, yeah, the AFC's tougher. I've always had, had a soft spot for Denver. I have a great friend who is a Broncos fan. that just love the color scheme and stuff, too. And, like... That team is literally a quarterback away from being a competitor. And it's sad because they're not going to be a competitor because they don't have the quarterback. Two more quick things on this because I know we got to move on. Don't have a ton today, so we're not going to just overextend here. I will say I love the Green Bay fans who are like, uh, you know, if he's unhappy, he can leave. It's more about it's more about the, the jersey and what's on the front of the jersey, yada, yada, yada. You've had Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers for the last, like, 40 years. So <laughs> get out of my face. They don't know. And they don't know what they it's like. They have no idea what mediocrity looks like and what's coming to them if they don't you know if they actually move on and jordan love ends up not being you know the next coming of this whole thing the other thing i don't want to say hilarious because violence is not really hilarious but a a weird capper to this story miles teller got punched in the face during this vacation he was jumped by two guys in a bathroom while vacationing in hawaii with uh with Aaron Rodgers, and I feel like if we just didn't talk about that, I, clearly you guys didn't know yeah, about this part because I news. <laughs> I follow the gossip. Uh, so yeah, he got punched in the face at a Miami restaurant. Uh, TMZ is reporting over a wedding dispute. NBC News uh, said the quote from him. Uh, this is paraphrasing, but he was attacked in a bathroom while on vacation in Hawaii. So hope he's okay. Imagine getting a, um, jumping a guy in Hawaii. That's like the opposite of the Mahalo mindset. I, you're there to relax and get punched in the face. You're there to relax. And you nailed it. Boom. Yeah, right. yeah. Well, that's tough. I, don't know. I hope he's feeling better. That's. I don't even know what to say to. Like, I. I wish Aaron Rodgers would have been there. You know, Aaron would have. He would have protected him. It would have been like a reverse offensive lineman assist for him when he's the biggest player instead of the lineman. Uh, we'll see what happens with uh, with Rodgers. I just wanted to, sh- to throw out this like. Uh, outside, because you, you make a good point, Tim or Jace and Tim, frankly, about where else is he going to go besides the Broncos? And I'm just going to. So my first thought was, yeah, there's not a lot of spot. What spots would immediately want a new quarterback, a different quarterback, and have a lot of picks to give up? And I'm saying it now. I'm going to be the first person on the planet, I think, to say this. And it's Miami. Aaron Rodgers to the Dolphins. Tua, he looked eh as a rookie, and it's enough for them to say absolutely yes to Aaron Rodgers for a few years, and they have 27 picks that they can send over if need be. So, putting that down now. Rodgers, East Coast, slinging it in the in the Miami heat. All right. Uh, speaking of uh, the Florida heat, I'll say, oh. 
<laughs> and I, I just have to talk about it. We don't need to talk about it. It's not like an important, salient NFL note, but it just it has to get brought up. And I, I bring this up more as a, almost like an HR representative, <laughs> as opposed to a, any a football mind or a podcaster. And it's just Urban Meyer taking over the Jacksonville Jaguars and just immediately feeling the need to sign Tim Tebow. Not give him a tryout, just sign him as a tight end. He's never played tight end. I, he's in his 30s. He hasn't played football in years. He was messing around in the Mets system for a few years. It's just, so as as the head of HR now, is, is this the fastest way for a leader of a group to lose the room, to lose the locker room, is to actually sign a guy, take a spot on your roster away from a player who could actually compete and actually make the team better, and who has actually caught passes before in his life, uh, instead of having a washed-up dude, not even a football player at this point, just a middle-aged man come in to, to try out and be one of, the, one of the tight ends on this team? Yeah, you've heard a, a number of ex-pros, NFL players, say, yeah, people are going to come after him. Like... Because they feel the same way. This is just, it's a publicity stunt, and he's taking a job from another guy, and he's, Tebow's going to take some shots. They, you won't talk about it. Guys aren't going to be interviewed after the game like, yeah, I was trying to headhunt him. But there's going to be some people that go after him. Also, uh, I think this is further proof that Jacksonville can't have anything nice, because what did they do? They, they miraculously were gifted the first pick, uh, for a quarterback that was going to be the number one pick since he started playing college football in Trevor Lawrence uh, because the Jets are even more incompetent than they are. <laughs> then they hire Urban Meyer, who everybody's kind of like, uh, are we sure about this? And then they just let Urban Meyer do whatever he wants. They draft Travis Etienne in the first round. They already have a running back who apparently isn't fast enough, even though he's a second-year guy on the cheap, undrafted free agent, rushed for 1,000 yards. No, we need Travis Etienne. They're lining him up at wide receiver in OTAs, if you haven't heard this, because Etienne, he just wants Percy Harvin again. That's exactly what Urban Meyer wants. Then he signs Tebow in the most ridiculous... Again, I don't need to go on a rant here, because we don't need to talk about this too long. Urban Meyer is going to cave Trevor Lawrence. Urban Meyer is going to cave Trevor Lawrence's potential and his career. I'm not saying Trevor Lawrence won't be good. I think, you know, if you're good enough, you can even get over some bad coaching, and we've seen that before. But Trevor Lawrence is not – you can book it right here right now, and I know it's not saying much. Trevor Lawrence is not going to reach his potential in Jacksonville until Urban Meyer goes already. I'm already saying that because I think it's going to be an unmitigated disaster. Uh, bright side. Gardner Minshew has grown out his hair to compete with Trevor Lawrence, and he looks incredible. Jace had to cut it, and that was a sad day for all of us here at Pod Like a Raven. But Gardner Minshew's fighting the good fight. Look up a recent picture of Gardner Minshew. Trevor Lawrence, I believe, was the one who had to say, I'm competing with him. He's not competing with me. Like, his hair is majestic. And that's Trevor Lawrence, who is sunshine reincarnated from Remember the Titans. So, you know, a little bright spot there to end what is you know, continues to be a dumpster fire down in Duval. I'm still not even certain Tebow ends up making the roster, but even the fact that he's here is just such a sideshow. And, uh, and to your further point, I don't know if you guys saw this, but, uh, urban and Charlie strong were on, uh, 
were on AEW last night <laughs> with Chris Jericho taking like a laptop to someone's head, like in Urban Meyer's office. I don't know why they were there. I I just saw a clip of Urban Meyer and Chris Jericho together, and I was like, "What's happening?" So I'm not super optimistic myself about. I was kind of skeptical um, of Urban. I didn't, you know, I thought. Just as a fan of college football, I am not sure the things that made him a great college coach, like, will necessarily translate, like, you know, his uh, awesome recruiting track record. That's that's not really a thing. And you've got to, got to be an X's and O's guy in the pros, and I just don't know that when he was at Ohio State, you know, they did enough interesting stuff, especially on offense. So... I hope it works out. I hope Trevor can transcend that, but I, I'm, I'm not optimistic, and I think the Tebow thing is, yeah, just another stunt. I mean, you know, I welcome it for Patriots. The people care about Tim Tebow uh, still, believe it or not, but uh, uh, I appreciate the content, but in terms of actually trying to win football games in 2021, I don't know that tight end Tim Tebow is, uh, is the answer. The last thing that we want to talk about in a thin week uh, of NFL news there's another uh, golf. I'm looking at the actual name of this. What is it? The match. The golf match. match. The match. Oh, I can't believe. Can't, I thought I was going to miss that by a mile. Uh, it's Tom Brady and Phil Mickelson against Aaron Rodgers. I'm just going to come out of the trees, I guess, and be available for something against Bryson DeChambeau. I said Rodgers and Bryson DeChambeau against the the two other guys. It's on uh, July sixth. It looks like. I think I have this right. July sixth. Will you will you watch? Is this something you're interested in at all in terms of NFL uh, celebrity events? No, <laughs> I'm intrigued just because of you know for 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 all the uncertainty around Aaron Rodgers, he certainly you know he's on Jeopardy for two weeks and then he's uh, he just shows up on Kenny Mayne's last Sports Center and then he is doing this like for all he's doing a lot of a me, lot of rounds for a guy who is supposedly you know discontented with uh, his, his team. Um, I did not watch the Tiger Phil uh, Brady Manning match when that happened. Um, I will say the Rogers thing intrigues me, and I think him being with DeChambeau, like, talk about just two of the weirdest guys. <laughs> DeChambeau, uh, nicknamed the scientist, um, for his, uh, approach to golf. Um, you know, he's had levels out on the, on the driving range before. He's, takes wind notes and, uh, famously was eating thousands of calories a day to try to bulk up and get his drive farther. They're, they're two of the more fascinating individuals in their respective sports, and they're either going to be best friends or, like, hate each other. And I think it'll be very interesting to see that dynamic. So who I was uh, going to say, Jace, you're allowed to say Bryson DeChambeau is a tool. Like, we can just, we can just <laughs> yeah, say yeah, that. Yeah, well, that's so with that, then, to that, the tip, that brings up my next question is, who, if you had to root for one of these teams, one of these duos, I, I, I think Brady's famously hateable. That's why they put him with Phil Mickelson, because he's one of the most likable guys. <laughs> so if you had to root for one of these duos, who, who, who do you root for here? I, I gotta be Team Phil. I'm Team Phil. I was fired up. He, you know, PGA champion Phil Mickelson, 50 years old. That fired me up. I love Phil. He has that that one video that I watch periodically. Whatever Phil's doing good when he was at the Masters, where he was like 
wearing all black, being aggressive, hitting bombs. That is the Phil Mickelson lifestyle, and that is why I'm Team Phil in the match. Not that I needed convincing, but that would have done it. Um, Yeah, look, Brady, obviously hateable. On my Mount Rushmore of athletes that I dislike the most over my career, and there's a segment for you come mid-July. But... The DeChambeau clip, and hand up, I'm not really a golf guy. The most I know about golf is when I listen to Pardon My Take, not that they need the plug, and they talked about this whole Brooks Kepka Bryson DeChambeau thing, and then the video. I mean, it's, I, I don't know if you can find it anywhere anymore, but the post-game video of Brooks Kepka being interviewed and the disdain he has on his face when Bryson DeChambeau walks by is the most relatable thing I've ever seen from a professional golfer. Um, so... All that being said, and then, you know, Chase, Chicks and Tim dig the log ball, man. So if <laughs> Phil Mickelson's out here hitting bombs, I'm all for it. Let's go. Let's go. Just Phil and then everybody else, I don't really care. If Aaron Rodgers makes a cool shot, that'd be sick. But, uh, yeah, I guess I guess Phil and Brady, but, you know, I don't really want either to win if I if I had my druthers. All right. That's, uh, that's it, guys. That's all we have to talk about in, in... – in a quiet two weeks of, of the NFL world. Let's go over this random Raven, Jace, one more time. And then, Tim, pressure's on. Got to come up with the worst Ravens number you can think of. But, Jace, first, can you hit us with those uh, clues one more time? So, uh, clue number one, this player was drafted by the Ravens in the fifth round of the 2010 NFL draft out of Syracuse. He spent four seasons with the Ravens, appearing in 46 games, including 20 starts in the regular season. He had eight and a half sacks in his time in Baltimore, all coming in the 2012 and 2013 seasons, but his best game might have been his performance in Super Bowl 47, when he recorded a sack and had a fumble recovery. He moved on from the Ravens after the 2013 season, signing a five-year, $33 million deal with the Indianapolis Colts, who were coached at the time by former Ravens defense coordinator Chuck Pagano. He was cut by the Colts in 2017 and appeared in just one more NFL game with Washington that fall. And then... Uh, I, I'll, I'll get my bonus clue too after this last clue. Um, he is the older brother of a current NFL star, as well as the older brother of a, the former UFC light heavyweight champion. And then the bonus clue, which I found very funny. And, uh, to your point, Antonio kind of speaks to guys, the Ravens develop a few years in fifth round picks. He wore number 61 his rookie season before switching to his more well-known number 97 for his last three years with the Ravens. Jace, you know why he switched his number? Because 61 is the worst Ravens jersey number that you could possibly come up with. Uh, I have I have a name here. Tim, I don't know if you want to uh, take a stab. I, I know it too, so go ahead. This player is, uh, boy, a Super Bowl hero. Uh, Arthur Jones. Yes, indeed. Art, Art Jones. Art Jones. Older brother of Chandler Jones and older brother of John Bones Jones of uh, one of the greatest UFC heavyweight, light heavyweight champs ever. Pound for pound, one of the uh, UFC greats. Uh, He is is the older brother of the two, probably the least famous of the three, I would guess. But, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. the only one that's a Super Bowl champion. So he's got, well, Chandler might have been on one of those Patriots teams. (laughs) But I would would just say Art Jones, one of the better... Big bellied Ravens of all time. Just just meat in the middle, man. That's all he was. Uh, so, first of all, Jace, that's a fantastic, a fantastic random Raven. I am sticking with my 61 as the worst number. Jace, you said 63. I'm going to give you a chance here. Do you want to change? Uh, do you want to replace? Or are you going to stick with it? You know what? I'm going to change it, I think. Okay. 
to 64. I think oh. <laughs> oh. I think that's, that four is hideous. That four is pretty yeah, bad. That's a bad one. <laughs> uh, I, I'm not a huge fan of the Ravens fours. Uh, it's, it's so I'm, I'm, I'll just jump in here because I've been thinking about this a lot during the show. I have a I have a number of numbers. Um, 64 was on there. I think part of this is if I haven't seen a Raven in it, it's almost uglier to me in a weird way. So like shout out Edwin Mulatalo, 64. Mm. But yeah, the four is the four is not great. Um, that being said, the du- I own the double four, the Marlon Humphrey double four. So I don't know if that I just I think I just love Marlon. I think Humphrey. it helps it. I think if you put yeah two bad numbers next to each other, it's if they're the same. Might right. equal a good well, and I, I think sixty six looks okay. It was sixty six is fine. Sixty three seems bad in my head, but thirty six Chuck Clark. I don't have a problem with that. So well, so that's interesting too, and I, I think a lot of that actually is a significant thing here. But I, I have a couple numbers, and I know we don't want to run too long here, so let me run through them. And I just want to get your takes. If you if you're going to stop me at any time, stop me, and then I'll decide after we lay all these out. Uh, right off the bat, number one, it's not a great one. It's not a great one, and by itself is not great. Uh, obviously, number six is on there. I put number ten, although that's Ooh. that's low. That's lower down the. I don't like this. Like it, it, it's more acceptable than a lot of these. Tim, you've never seen Stony Case in a Ravens number ten. I, I, I mean, don't. You know, you got to look up, look that up. I mean, good on you for doing Stony Case and not Troy Smith. I respect it. Uh, up until up until he picked it, and I was actually disappointed he piced it. Number twelve. Rashad Bateman's number 12. I don't love the 12 for the Ravens. I will say, I pulled up to fanatics.com and did the custom jersey option and was typing in numbers to look at them during the show. Uh, number 18, I think that's mainly just because Elvis Gerback can go, you know, I won't finish that sentence. Number 39, don't love 39 uh, as well. The nine's okay, but uh, it needs the right partner with it, I should say. Um the stereotypical worst number on all jerseys, although I think on the Ravens, for whatever reason, it's not as bad. Shout out Morgan Cox. Number 46. I don't know why every Madden creative player from 2000 to 2021 starts you with number 46 when you try and create a player because it's horrendous on almost every font. Uh, shout out Chad Williams, number 49. Don't love that either. You're seeing a pattern here. And then I had 64 as well. I think, the, I think the 90s are all pretty clean. I think the 80s are all pretty clean. The 70s as well. 67, I lo- I'm, a, I'm a big 7 guy. My favorite number of all time, 17. Like it's a nice seven. number. Handsome number. Handsome number, sharp, but 67, you know, sorry, Ben Bredesen, but it's not the greatest. After all of that, though, I'm going 6. It's the worst. <laughs> Patrick Queen, I love him. I don't know why. I'm throwing my notepad down. I don't know why he went with 6. He could have done anything else anything else uh, and you know now I, I i want malik harrison to develop into a starting linebacker i really do but now the only thing saving this for me is three six mafia with lj fort and patrick queen that's legitimately the only thing because i think six is horrendous and gets my vote worst number on the team all right we're gonna tweet when we tweet this episode out uh for the listener we're gonna have a little tag in there about submitting what you think uh is the is the worst number in a ravens uniform or just agree or disagree with uh, with the three of us. Uh, the final numbers there, with all with a six, which is just perfect. Six, 61, and 64 as the three worst Ravens jersey numbers. Please yell at us. Disagree with us. Give us a worse number. Uh, and let us know what you think when this episode comes out. That's all we have for you guys. Uh, thank you so much for listening to us. We will be back 
in two weeks to talk more about the Ravens, about the NFL, and uh, have another debate about why the Ravens didn't get Julio Jones. But for now, for Tim Horsing and Jace Evans, I'm Antonio Rivera. Thank you for listening to us. We will see you in two weeks. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.